Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Abedisian, the Suburban Shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. I'm Ani Abedusian, and this is Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy. Sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo in today's Theatre of the Bizarre, because I don't know what else to call our world today. Now, as always... We try to present our information with as much grace and empathy as can be mustered on any given day. We are not always successful, I'll admit to that, but we are on a bound to give it a shot. And on this show, The Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love shots. Yes, we do. Our rally cry is awaken, oh my people. Do not follow the path of the sheeple and do not give our God cause to weeple. If you're joining us for the first time, I extend a very warm welcome to you. But be advised, we do not do a politically correct on this show because we do not wish to erode our intellect. We martini heads, we're straight talking, straightforward folks. Well, you know, we're direct, but we come from a core of respect. There's no fakery here to up our numbers. We don't make up stuff and we don't think about what to tell you to, to get you to listen to us. I mean, what you see is what you get. We value common decency, common courtesy, common sense, soul sovereignty and our national sovereignty, which is so very important in today's world. And just a reminder, my darlings, when we use labels, we do so for identification purposes. We are strictly nonpartisan because we believe all parties are in the can. Our world has lost its moral compass, and without a moral compass, the political arena is nothing more than a never-ending power play, benefiting a small group of sociopaths gorging themselves on the fat of the land, while the rest of humanity begs for scraps under tables groaning with the fruits of its own labor. How many times have we done this, peopleoids? How many repetitions of the same scenario through the ages will it take until humanity knows better? How did we become such soft-centered, flavorless peons? Well, my darlings, I guess that's what this show is all about. Looking at the bigger picture, stepping outside the carefully crafted establishment narrative. And I have to say, it's not for the faint of heart. If you're one of the millions, tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions who would rather sleep comfortably in the manufactured illusion of the matrix, if you are content to do as you are told, 
eat what you are given, behave as ordered, and believe everything the daily spin churns out. This show is not for you. So move along now. Nothing to see here. If, on the other hand, you have capacity for objective thought and wish to better understand the marvels of cosmic co-creation to enjoy your incarnation. Well, you might hear something of value in the next hour. Who knows? Life is an adventure. And adventure means excitement, new journeys, new frontiers, lots of laughs along the way, probably a few tears, but it's all good. We go up, we go down, we go left, we go right. We smile, we frown, but it will all get sorted out in the end. And after a good rest, you know, in between incarnations, we're off on another adventure because that's what we do. We are cosmic co-creators, created by creator to enter creation as space adventurers. And what is an adventure? It's a jolly escapade into the world of the unknown. And all of this playing it safe. Oh, my gosh. No such thing as safety, people. Safety is an illusion. We make stuff up as we go along. We've got to learn to be a little bit more gritty these days. Hey, we've got to remember how our ancestors did it when they pulled it out of nothing. Today is Wednesday, February the 3rd, 2021. The Great Awakening laps at our shores. Can you hear it? I can. Multiple realities are crashing into each other's space. And that's painful right now, but they will eventually merge into one new reality. And that is going to blow people's socks off. And I await that day with bated breath and a very large cosmic cocktail. So while everyone else is busy either incorrectly interpreting current events or jumping through hoops to decipher secret codes from Q or whatever, I'm revising my class schedule for the year because, well, my job is not only to point out where, why and how we got to this point of extreme dysfunction, but also to share tools to prevent it happening again, which it will, of course, but hopefully not for another thousand years. So... I officially, on my own, of my own volition, of my own accord, declare 2021 the year of back to basics with life, the cosmos and everything. You know what, peeps? We are so far off track. We can't even see the track. Where's the track? So in the spirit of salvation, revelation and avoiding damnation, um, let's talk about what it means to get back to basics. Now, I know at this point we normally do questions, answers and comments, and we've had quite a few questions, answers and comments. But all of them have been something along the lines of, Arnie, that's me, when I get onto the other side of this, how do I make peace with all the people that have now fallen out with me? Or, Arnie, how do we get grace back? Arnie, how do we make friends with all the people we used to be friends with, but we're no longer friends with because they think we're idiots and blah, blah, blah. So I'm just going to take all of those questions and turn them into one person and say that that's what question and answers and comments is going to be today. And do, don't stop sending them in. Um, Arnie at ArnieAvidician.com. Send your emails. If you like those little postcards, I love when you send me postcards of your hometown. That's Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, 
Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, USA, USA. So here we are, globalists wanting to destroy anything natural and God-given, which can't be done, of course, because all things come from source. But as we know, if you're not aligned with our creator's cosmic intelligence, the evil men and women can commandeer our minds and alter our perception, convincing us that pink is blue and that rabbits are really orangutans in disguise. So without further ado, my darlings, my top 10 tips for avoiding tyranny of the soul. That's a lot of t right there. And this segment, yes, it will replace the QAC, which I believe I already said, but I just said it again. So there you are. Now, people, let us remember there is no such thing as external perception. We are conscious. What does that mean? Well, as far as I'm concerned, consciousness is a data stream of cosmic intelligence. So all perception, then, is an internal affair. So the world outside will never change until we change who we are on the inside. Now, we all know this, but somehow or another, we don't really believe that some of these metaphysical tenets, you know, relate to us. I don't I don't know why we think that we think that, oh, this book was written for somebody else. But, you know, how do we go about embracing that? Well, I will tell you. And in no particular order, my top 10 tenets for avoiding tyranny of the soul. That was a very long sentence. I need a sip of my drinky poo. Excuse me. Oh, that is lovely. All right. Here we go. Number one. Claim your power as a manifestation of the cosmic divine. Literally, for heaven's sake, claim your power as a manifestation of cosmic divinity. We were, all of us, created in source energy's waveform, the blueprint of perfection. And any physical experience we have is an adventure that we create to prove our godliness. How far can we go into the boonies of the universe? How far from the truth and goodness can we travel until we redeem ourselves? Or perhaps, is it possible to be lost so completely and never find redemption on a physical realm? Hmm. Well, I think the answer to that is yes. <laughs> we do it all the time. But we get to chill out in our planetary heavens in between incarnations and find redemption there. So that's number one. Claim your power as a manifestation of the supreme cosmic intelligence. Not particularly bothered about how people refer to God. I happen to believe there is one source creator. I am the pre Big Bang. All that is, was and ever shall be and that every universe has its own God. Um, but I'm pretty sure that all prayers go into the same switchboard. So I may interchangeably call God creator, creator God, supreme cosmic intelligence, cosmic intelligence. And on occasion, I may refer to God as SpongeBob SquarePants. I have no idea, but you'll know who I'm talking about. Number two, and I'm going to have to say probably my favorite, to thine own self be true. 
Live the life you want to live for the evolution of your soul. And of course, if it's for the evolution of your soul, it's going to be for the betterment of mankind. Do not allow yourselves to be bullied by anyone into acting in ways you know to be immoral, unethical, and harmful. I like to prayerfully contemplate the phrase, to mine own self, I am true. To mine own self, I am true. Why do I like to prayerfully contemplate that phrase? Because it starts me down a rabbit hole. And gosh, you know, we cosmic reality people, we do love rabbit holes. So it starts me down a rabbit hole of who am I? I mean, who am I really? I mean, I'm not just Arnie, am I? I mean, that's just a tiny part of my totality. Thank God. Where did I come from then? And that, you know, that gets me going all the way back to the Big Bang. And I think, my gosh, I'm source energy, having an individualized manifestation as a human, an individualized temporary manifestation as a human. How amazing is that? And how absolutely bloody marvelous am I? And now that I know this, what am I supposed to do with that now that I'm here? Who am I? Where did I come from? What am I doing here? You know, these are good questions and they deserve good answers. Because if you don't know who you are, how do you expect others to know? And if you don't like you, why would you expect others to? This is what I mean when I say there's no such thing as external perception. It's all internal. Each one of us is our own universe. If you read some of the earlier Kabbalah works, each one of us is, a, is our own universe inside our own head. And every single person has a different idea of us in their head. So you need to be true to thine own self and learn to love yourself and understand who you are, what you are, what you're doing here, and have the guts to review it from time to time as well. All right. Number three, be curious about life and the world around you. Review your mental health from time to time. Everyone's gone nuts around me, by the way, these days. I'm sure you all noticed it. So if you find yourselves slipping into depression, stop. Clear your aura first and foremost with deep breathing and then assess the situation. In my not so humble opinion, the main difference between people who get it and people who don't get it is this. Curiosity, an interest in their environment and beyond, a belief that they are here for an adventure, to have a jolly good time, and the belief that their interaction makes the world a better place. Because to them, you know, to, that, to, to their own selves, they are true. They know who they are. And they don't shy away from the world. They believe that their interaction makes the world a better place. So you have a full appreciation for the present moment. And that's lovely. And if you have a full appreciation and focus on the present moment, then you have an interest in the past. Because there's nothing left undone there for you. 
And then you have excitement for the future that you're helping to create. If I've learned anything, I've probably learned a couple of things along the way, is that depression destroys motivation. And it creates a victim mentality. And that is damaging to our soul's evolution. Because it's the opposite of alignment. I spend so much of my time visiting people in various establishments, uh, senior citizens' homes, hospitals, rehabilitation centers. I mean, you name it, this medical industry of ours where we have created these palaces where we worship our pain. And everyone's so heavily medicated. And sometimes you need medication. Sometimes you don't. And I sit and I hold people's hands and I look into their eyes and their eyes are gone. There's no curiosity. There's no motivation. There's no excitement for their immediate environment and the environment beyond. That kills you. There's no quality of life there. I don't see the point of prolonging, prolonging our lives if we don't have quality. So be curious about life and the world around you. It's so very, very important. Number four. Words have power. And if any of you have not read The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, you really should. Um, it's not just Toltec wisdom, although he comes from the Toltec shaman background. These are tenets for every single tribe on this planet and beyond. He would say, be impeccable with your word. I think is how he phrases it. And of course, we should be impeccable with our word because spoken language. Well, that's the primary means of communication on our realm, isn't it? It's not on all realms, but it's certainly this, you know, it certainly is on this realm. There are other realms where people communicate telepathically and they can see, they tell me that they can see almost beautiful pastel colors in ribbon form coming out of people's mouths and beautiful golden writing on it. I mean, they can feel the energy, see the energy, see the colors and none of it's spoken. It's just frequency singing. When we say a thing, because on this planet we have to say it, when we say a thing, it should be true. Now, we accept that everything in the cosmos is frequency and words have their own frequencies. We can light each other up with our words and we can destroy lives with our words. Our words convey intel and people will never forget how your words made them feel. They'll forget how good your hair looked. They'll forget that you weren't wearing matching socks or that your shoes were not cleaned, but they will never forget how your words made them feel. We have the choice every day with our words. We can sow seeds of hope or we can sow seeds of hatred and fear. We can sing praises to our God la la, with our words or we can chant black magic rituals with them. We make a choice every day, people to enchant with our words or to disgust with our words. And words that are repeated over and over again are often accepted as truth, even though they are lies, a false narrative. But hearing them 
until they are like bongos beating on your brain. Those words stick and our brain does little strange shortcuts and we accept those words as true. No one, no one knows this better than the media. Excuse me, I'm a little dry. Let me have a sip of my drinky poo. Wow. Wow, that's good. Okay. So the media knows this. They know it very well. They have all sorts of, uh, they've spent billions of dollars researching the concept of the fire hose of propaganda and carefully manipulated repetition and how to distract you with breaking news, breaking news. As kids, how many of you were told by school teachers that you were stupid and you would never amount to anything? You know, I don't know why teachers say things like that. How many of us believed it and went on to have unsatisfying half-lives because we never traveled beyond the narrative to find the truth of our nature? When we are, as Don Miguel says, impeccable with our words and we understand the power of words, we are encouraged to take right action. In other words, we take responsibility for our actions. Responsibility means taking appropriate action. We don't have a very good example, though, do we, when we look up to the people who are supposed to be the world leaders. Our world today, for the most part, for the most part, is run by liars. They are not impeccable with their word. They do not accept the divine as their creator. And by the way, you don't have to be religious to do that either. You just have to know that there's some force out there that is the great unifying source energy of all that is, was, and ever should be. You don't have to get all emotional and Jesus-y about it if you don't want to. I certainly don't. These people that I'm talking about, the ones who run the world, who are not impeccable with their word, their entire focus is on material acquisition and global domination. We've become, I think, accustomed to organizations lying to us. And we seem to accept it as well as just the way things are. And that is one of the biggest mistakes mankind has ever made. We should not accept it just as the way things are. It's wrong. That's why they want to kill DJT. How many times have they tried to kill DJT? Because he calls out their lies to their faces. Fake news, fake news, fake news. Bad person, bad person. Person lying, bad person, fake news. No one lies more than politicians. Even amongst all the steps of what make up the Illuminati, the lowest rung of the ladder, the ones that uh, the top dogs in the Illuminati, or I should say the top reptiles in the Illuminati look down on, are the politicians, because they're corrupt. They're here today, gone tomorrow. Some of them spend an awful lot of time. Uh, they should be gone tomorrow. But they, you know, they think of them as here today, gone tomorrow, expendable, disposable, corrupt people who will do their bidding if you just put enough zeros at the end of the amount you're writing the check for. The other thing we do that really doesn't help us much, but we do it, especially with social media, is we engage in idle gossip. 
You know, we, we play this, uh, I heard that she did that. Ooh, did you? Ooh, yes, I did. And I heard that he did that. Ooh, did they? Well, could you verify any of those sources? No, but so-and-so down the road said that they might have seen, oh, please. All of our sources should be independently verified, independently verified, or the intel has little or no value. So before we speak, I guess we need to ask ourselves, am I illuminating the conversation or am I throwing trash on this conversation? Because once it's spoken, it can't be taken back. You know, I mean, with the advent of social media, which in itself is morally neutral, it's how we use it. People are just very happy to say anything to anyone that they would never say if they were standing in front of that person. I get comments on my social media feeds. Nobody would dare say that to me if they were in front of me. Trust me. And if they did, they wouldn't get a chance to say it twice. A friend of mine says to me, Ani, I practice restraint of pen and tongue. Well, what a wonderful person you are, a much better person than I am. But that's a hard one for most of us to learn. But it's also difficult for us to realize that most of the conflict in our lives is of our own doing. So here's something that I have done that has helped me tremendously. It's not going to stop people being stupid because that's always going to happen. But you have to change the way you relate to people, especially when you talk for a living like me and you have a lot to say like me. You have to ask yourself these three questions. OK. Does this need to be said? Does this need to be said? The second question you have to ask yourself is, does this need to be said now? And then finally, this is a big one. Does this need to be said by me? I promise you those three questions if you ask yourself before interacting, they will save you a world of woe. Practice restraint of pen and tongue. Does this need to be said? Does it need to be said now? Does it need to be said by me? Sometimes smiling, nodding your head and walking away is the very best option. All right. Number five. Remain teachable. Yeah. <laughs> Pursue whatever course of study appeals to you. Absolutely. Do it. Whatever it is. Read, study, travel, become an adept or become a master or become a supermaster. But remain open minded and therefore teachable, because if you don't, What's happening then is you're stunting your capacity for growth by refusing to step outside your comfort zones or by rejecting new ideas before exploring them. You know, you may be old and you may be wise and maybe you have tons of experience and perhaps you're someone that peeps look to you for advice and guidance. But you know what? You don't know everything. And the world hasn't stopped growing, so nor should you. I know one of the things that they teach actors is um, don't believe your own publicity. You know, and I think that that's a really good point to make. 
whether it's good or bad or ugly or any of that, just don't believe it. Remain teachable. You don't know everything. Number six. Do you know how difficult it is to talk about money with people? For some reason, most of us have money issues. Even Louise Hay, God rest her soul. Well, but I think she's dead. I hope I haven't killed her. No, I think she's dead. But God rest her soul. She was one of the earliest modern New Ages to come out with all of this. She said it was easier to talk about sexual dysfunction than it was about money. People are far more open about their sexual dysfunction than they are about their currency dysfunction. So number six, I think it's going to have to be be open to the universal flow of giving and receiving. Now, we've established that all points in space and time are the same throughout the cosmos, which means that everything is temporal. And that means time related, temporary. So, you know, why hold on to things? And that does apply to items as well as our emotional baggage. If we take a look at this universe that we're in, it's in constant motion. It is in constant and dynamic exchange. It gives, it receives. It gets intel, it processes. You know, if our blood stopped flowing, our bodies would die. We need to keep the circulation going to keep everyone alive. And we're all terrified of our supply being cut off, aren't we? You know, no, I believe in preparedness. I don't believe that you should have nothing. I mean, I believe you should have supplies on hand, strive to maintain some sort of a savings account and just be sensible because it's a physical realm. There are certain physical things we need. It's eliminating dysfunctional need is what we're trying to do here. So I guess the point I, I make is along the lines of, do we trust the universe to give us all we need when we need it? And I suspect the answer to that question for most peeps is, gosh, I would love to have that level of unshakable faith. But the truth is, no, I do not. If we cultivate direct knowing of universal love, not just some concept of faith, we develop an intimate relationship with the divine. That's alignment. When we are in alignment with our God, we are in the flow of the hierarchy of light and all that we desire, we can pull to us seemingly without much effort because alignment is being in the flow of affluence prosperity in all things. Look at the world we have created. It bursts with stuff. There's tons of stuff. There's tons of money out there waiting to be claimed. Life is giving and taking up and down. Good days, not so good days. We are energy. Everything is energy and all of it is sourced from the same source. So there should be no difference in difficulty in manifestation between five and five hundred dollars or five thousand or five million at a push. It's all recycled energy. And if you have enough to share and others are in need, you help them and it will come back to you. Tenfold. It's all in our perception, in our attitude. If you give something away but resent doing so, you haven't given. 
If you really resent it, under universal law, you have not given, and your action will not return to you in kind, certainly not tenfold. But if you give from the heart and are genuinely happy to have done so, it most certainly will return to you and tenfold. And giving doesn't just mean money or things. Start with a smile, a compliment, a word of encouragement, an hour or so of your time to watch your neighbor's little doggy while she runs an errand. Take a moment each morning to look at yourself in the mirror. People don't do this. I mean, you should. You know, the minute you get out of the shower, you're, you're, yeah, you're naked. Okay, but there's nobody there with you, right? And you're clean and you're all fresh and you're ready for the day. So get out there, get out there all naked and look at yourself in the mirror and say something along the lines of the universe flows through me. I am part of the universal flow of life. God loves through me. God receives through me. I invite my cosmic body to inhabit my human body. I lovingly and willingly merge my mind with the mind of God. Wherever I go, something good happens. I give and I receive with ease and gratitude. Write your own um, affirmations. But what we're trying to do here every morning is just get in there and say, hello, I am God in a bod. It's all good. The universe is in constant motion and it flows through me. Number seven. Again, a very difficult one. So I think I'll have a sip of my drinky poo. Excuse me. Oh. Try not to take anything personally, even if it is meant as a direct insult. As we've discussed previously, a different version of us exists inside each person's head. People assess each other through their unique filters, their assumptions and their bias and based on their social and cultural conditioning and the care and guidance they themselves received during their um, domestication period. As the Kabbalah says, each person is a universe unto themselves. Don't take anything personally. When people lash out, they're frightened or angry, frustrated or feeling anxious and insecure in some way. And if we take the comments personally, we should ask ourselves why. Is it because we agree with the comments and are insulted because they have pointed out the obvious, pointed out the truth? Well, if that's the case, they did us a favor. We have identified an internal trigger that we need to dissolve another landmine to diffuse. So instead of resenting that person and holding a grudge, we clean up our energy anatomy, remove the trigger, and take away from that person the power to hurt us. Also, when we don't take things personally, we don't take on other people's emotional trash. Emotions are intelligence. You may never know the reason behind their lashing out. But you will know how it made you feel and you will ask yourself why you feel that way. And then you'll 
do something about fixing it. Now, this also means don't take compliments personally either. Now, nothing wrong with people getting each other compliments, but it works the same as insults, actually. The compliment may or may not be genuine. We may never know the true reason behind the compliment, but we will know how it made us feel. You know, again, I have to go back to that um, successful performer's do not believe their publicity because the ego is a tricky fellow when not in alignment with cosmic intelligence. Our level of suffering is equal to our ability to react appropriately to comments and actions. And this is where we get into trouble with all types of relationships. Someone says something, the other person takes it badly and a rift opens up. And into that rift flows any dysfunction with a matching frequency. In fact, anything that ever happened to you that made you feel the way you feel right now, that rift gets bigger and bigger and bigger and all this stuff pours into the rift. You see, one thing I believe I have learned, if we are honest enough to admit it, is this. When we lash out, when we're angry or under the effect of a stimulant or compromised in some way, let's just say when we lash out and we are not at our correct angle of repose, nine out of ten times, the things we say, even though we swear up and down afterwards we did not mean them, we mean them. It's just that we haven't yet dealt with them in a functional manner. Those triggers are still alive and stunting our soul's evolution. So it's a waste of time to be hurt by careless comments or actions. We are responsible for our own actions and reactions, not the actions and reactions of others. Learning to govern ourselves is where our focus should be. So if we train ourselves not to take anything personally, it will greatly enhance our life experience. Uh, someone in chat, Sam, has written just a caution about acquiescing to judgment. Yes. Thank you. Number eight, understanding detachment and attachment and uncertainty. Now, there's a universal law that states if you want to acquire something on a physical realm, you have to relinquish your attachment to it. Now, what does that mean? How can you create or acquire something if you relinquish your attachment to it? Well, you don't relinquish your intention for it. You don't relinquish your desire for it. You relinquish your attachment to the result. Now, some people would call that let go and let God. And in a way it is. But I think of it more along the lines of I am in the process of creating or acquiring this thing and I will work diligently and honor the process. But because I want the input of the entire hierarchy of light, I will detach myself from the details of any particular outcome. I will not micromanage my affairs because I am secure in my knowing that the force is with me and has a better vantage point than I do. 
Attachment and excessive need for control, that's insecurity and fear. And it's also a symptom of some sort of poverty consciousness. If you've ever chatted with anybody who's lived through a war or asked anybody who's been kicked out of their homeland and had to start over again in foreign lands as the great-granddaughter of people who survived the Armenian genocide, I know a thing or two about that. Ask them what they learned, and they all come up with the same sentence. Don't get too attached to people, places, or things. Attachment gives us an image of things tethered to us, doesn't it? Things we have to carry around. Detachment, on the other hand, it implies a sense of freedom and room to create. So today, people seem to be rather lost, and they want to be anchored to something heavy. And this is a fearful mentality. So back in ancient time, I'm just going to have a sip of my drinky poo because I wouldn't want it to go to waste. Back in ancient time, once warriors and shamans had finished their apprentice level training, they would be sent out into the open environment to fend for themselves for an extended period of time. Now, they were all given a project, say, maybe, I don't know, uh, kill a wolf uh, and bring back its head. Or if you're a shaman, hopefully you wouldn't have to do that. But you'd have to receive a village, uh, a, a village vision, a vision for your village. Um, so but that wasn't the purpose of sending them out alone. The purpose of sending them out alone after their training was to ground them in uncertainty. Something people hate. No food or water was given for the journey. They had to feed themselves, water themselves, keep themselves clean and infection free, shelter themselves against the elements. When you are grounded in uncertainty, you have to make a choice. You either align with all that is and complete your mission or you give up, get sick and die or give up, get sick and go back to your village in shame. You see. We want to cultivate that uncertainty. Uncertainty forces us to draw upon our spirit core and bring whatever we need to us. That's where the real wealth is, you see, people. That's what real wealth is, the ability to bring whatever we need to us. How often do we say, if I win the lottery, I'll do this. If I get that bonus, I'll do that. Somehow we're conditioned, we're always hoping something from outside will come into our lives and make things better. So we need to remember some of these ancient practices. So we have to be retraining ourselves to call upon our inner spirit to provide for us at our request. The search for security is an illusion, I promise you. Every thought sends ripples in space and time. That alters millions of outcomes per second. Nothing can ever be secure. We can amass great wealth only to have a new regime throw us out of our castles and commandeer our holdings. Hey, if we didn't learn from 2020 that things can come and kick us in the arse out of the blue, we're never going to learn, are we? With a certain amount of detachment, you still live your life. You set your goals. You revise your process. But you're also open to an alternative outcome. And frankly, when we are in process... We don't know how things will turn out. We may have a particular end game in mind, 
But if we focus only on one ending, well, is it possible then we might miss a better opportunity? I'm not somebody who believes in good luck. I don't think it's a thing. I mean, I believe in preparedness, diligence, being vigilant and being alert for new opportunities. But, you know, people, what would happen if someone said to you tomorrow, hey, John, hey, Jane, here's a backpack with a bottle of water and a Hershey bar. Um, so you have to go out on that mountain and you're going to have to spend 30 days there. It, it'll rain. There's water. Um, and there's food if you know which mushrooms to pick, etc. But for 30 days, you have to rely upon the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call God, to get through. You have to come back in good health, preferably alive. Could any of us do it? Some of you might. Those of us who are born and bred in cities might have an issue with it. But hey, man, you know, I think we should do that sort of thing from time to time. I'm going to see about doing something like that next year, having some sort of vision quest uh, adventure where we all go and get our vision and see how far we can make it without dying. I'll be there. Don't worry if you come with me. I promise you won't die. All right. Moving on. Number nine. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Understanding what is meant by being mindful and accepting in the present moment. This is yet another one of those well-worn platitudes that we don't fully understand. The present moment is the only moment of power because clearly we cannot go back in time and undo our misdeeds, nor can we travel into the future and set plot markers for ourselves. Now, I can talk more about time travel another time. You can visit the past and you can visit pools of potential in the future. Can you change things? That's a whole other thing. So now is the only moment of power. So accepting the experience of the present moment simply means acknowledging the experience. That's all it is. We don't necessarily have to like what's going on in the present moment. If our house catches fire, we're not expected to run around in glee, are we? Shouting, oh, whoopee cataclysmic event in my life. I wonder what I will learn from this. I mean, I would probably question your mental health if you did that. Acceptance means no resistance to the situation. We acknowledge what is happening is happening. And we acknowledge and hopefully process the situation in a functional way. If we crash or panic, run around screaming, we're not displaying a correct or functional response and the situation will not resolve favorably. But if we stand back, take a breath and calmly acknowledge, oh, my God, my house is on fire without resistance. I believe we will be inspired to take the correct course of action. And when we are in that type of acceptance, we deal with situations as they come up. And if we do that, we don't have to look over our shoulder for carefully hidden emotional baggage to catch up with us. That's all being present and mindful is. That's all it is. Whatever we choose to do at any given moment, we should give it our full focus and deal with it to the best of our ability. Get it done and be ready for the next segment of come what may in our lives. Which brings us 
to number 10. Number 10, I should probably do a kazoo for that. <laughs> number 10. If something is worth doing, like playing the kazoo, it is worth doing properly. Don't do anything half-hearted. Always do your best. Now, your best isn't always going to be amazing, by the way. It's not going to necessarily be the best. It's going to be your best for that day. Sometimes it will be mediocre. But if that's genuinely the best you can manage at that time, then it's good enough. Our moods change from day to day. Some days we can move mountains. Other days we have trouble motivating ourselves to get out of bed. We came here not to suffer and deteriorate. We came here to live happily, to enjoy all the wonderful things the earth realm offers us. Doing your best doesn't mean working 80 hours a week to destroy yourself. It means figuring out what you want in life and find a way to make it happen without destroying yourself and inevitably destroying those around you. If, for example, you have to work 80 hours a week to keep a roof over your head and feed your family, something somewhere is wrong. You're not doing the best for yourself and you won't be able to keep up that pace for long either. Why don't we do our best in all situations at all time, just like they taught us to in school? I would say most people are in jobs they don't care for or in situations they don't care for. The paycheck is the only motivator, so there's no enjoyment in the procedures that make up their workday. They don't enjoy the process and perhaps do not even acknowledge that they're in the process because they don't like it. If they don't like it, they're not accepting it. What they should be doing is accepting it, that they don't like it. But they ignore it. It's like they go through some automaton process. I know it's difficult to do your best when you hate doing something. But if we have contracted to do that something, I believe we have a moral obligation to fulfill that contract as written. Or else we break the agreement and say, I can't do this. I'm sorry. I move on and let the other party find someone who cares more than we do. Too many people hate or have no investment save the financial reward in what they do. I see it every day. It's painful. So they do it with half a heart. And then they get a couple of days off to do what they want, things they enjoy, which for some people is complaining about the week they just had and complaining about the week that lies ahead. And we're all feeling stuck and unhappy and frustrated. And then we're angry with ourselves. And when we're angry with ourselves, it's only a matter of time until we're angry with everyone else. And just like that, life really sucks. And we have spent most of it doing something unfulfilling, the residual energy of which pollutes our sacred time off. If we like what we do, we do our best. Even if we don't like what we do, if we have agreed to do it, we should do our best with it. Because if we do our best, I may hate this job, not this job, I love my job, but people who hate their job might say, I hate this job, but it supports me. And for that, I will respect the process and perform these tasks to the standard required. That alone will illuminate your search 
for a better situation. So, my sweethearts, those are my top ten tips and tenets for avoiding tyranny of the soul. And a few little odds and ends just to complete that. Believe it or not, I am often asked why we should express gratitude. People say, Oni, that's me, why should I express gratitude for my home, for my job, for my car? I'm on a path of spiritual alignment. Am I not supposed to take these things for granted? Well, fair's fair. That's a pretty good question. Mm. Gratitude. As a purely mechanical process, it's you giving the universe a thumbs up, isn't it? Thanks for that, matey. I'd like more of that, please. Perhaps your dream home is a lovely little cottage with a thatched roof in a picturesque English village, but you live in a nondescript cookie-cutter flat in Wilsonville, Oregon. You know what? It's still a home. It does the same thing as the cottage would do. It's shelter, and you need a home. So be grateful for the cookie-cutter flat while perusing multiple websites specializing in English cottages. You have a much better chance of getting your cottage, my cottage, if you're at peace and grateful for your flat. And I guess on a closing note to close off the top 10 tenets, um, look, people, we're all different. Each and every one of us were born unique and original. The entire hierarchy of light supports our space adventures. Well, it would if we would only let it. We're born unique and original. And why do we do this? Why? Why have creation? We do it to bring the glory of supreme cosmic intelligence to our chosen realm. Let's not allow ourselves to waste all that glorious originality. All right, very quickly, on to Tarot Agogo. <laughs> Visit my website and uh, sign up for my new tarot class. I don't have time to talk about it, so go to the web class. Web, 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 web page, thingy, pagey, with thingy wingy with my name on it. Go there. All right, today's card is the Three of Cups. Let's pick it up and see what it has to say for itself. Oh, what a lovely card. It's so happy. Three women, goblets in hand, dancing, celebrating. Very, very carefree. Celebration, party. Are we celebrating the successful completion of a project? It could be anything, really. Anything from just a casual party or gathering that lifts our spirits to an occasion celebrating reaping a bountiful harvest from our ventures. Something good is going to happen when you get this card and you're going to celebrate it. Could be a marriage. Could be the funeral of someone you hated. Could be a favorable diagnosis from your doctor, as in you won't die next month, Miss Avedisian. Pregnancy, I don't know. Whatever makes you happy. This is a card that you congratulate yourself for a job well done. It's just filled with joy. These girls look like they're positively tipsy. Bit like me, really. Well, it's a jolly card, but sometimes this card will come to us reverse. So let's reverse the card. Let's flip it over and see how we feel. 
Oh, dear. All the drinky-poos have poured out of those girls' cups. That's not good. And all of a sudden, the whole mood of the card has changed. I feel I might have overindulged in the good things that life has to offer. Food and drink, perhaps. Hmm, I get a sense of the darker side of excess. Not just food and drink and lustful behavior, but I'm picking up promiscuity, addictions... I look at this card and I feel I'm going to have trouble processing my emotions. I should have done a little bit better at working things out. Something went wrong. I'm deflated. And now I should have something to celebrate. But I don't have anything to celebrate. I really need to figure out why. Was I petulant? Was I spoiled? Was I stubborn? What did I do? I've got to get a grip and find out why I'm not celebrating. And quite often this card will come up reversed when relationships are falling apart. And especially if one partner has sought comfort already in the arms of another. So let's turn it right side up again. Oh, that's much better. Three of cups, maidens dancing in celebration, goblets filled to the brim with excellent Oregon Pinot Noir. What more could anyone ask for? Well, my sweethearts, I hope that helped a little bit just to get us back on track because we really are going to get on the other side of this. Not quite sure when, hoping it really will be in the first financial quarter of the year because, um, you know, a, a little stop trying to figure out what Q's on about. Stop trying to interpret all this stuff because you're driving yourselves mad, people. When they make the move, they will do it. And if you know, surely the Illuminati know. So right now, I want everyone to chill, take a deep breath, trust the divine. It'll happen when it happens. It's a major awakening. There's no way it won't happen. Give up your investment in anything other than seeing a glorious new world. I promise you, you'll be nice to people afterwards. I promise you, you will have grace. I promise we will be united. Right now, they're asking for unity. They don't, they don't know what unity is. They're actually asking for conformity. My beautiful darlings, I cannot believe where the time has gone. I think that's it for today. I'm going to finish my drinky poo. Hold on, hold on. Oh, God, that was good. So now I finished my drink. That means the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed recording because I had a blast. It is my pleasure to connect with like-minded people on the open airwaves and discuss our concerns, our hopes and our dreams. Today's real life cocktail was a zonked out zombie. And I chose this because my little city is currently populated with zonked out masked zombies. But the drink's okay. You mix equal parts of white rum, dark rum, gold rum, a little bit of orange juice, a little bit of grapefruit juice, a little bit of lemon juice, a couple of splashes of Angostura bitters, one tablespoon brown sugar, orange peel twist. Fill the shaker with ice, pour in the rums, add the juices, add the bitters, add the sugar, shaky, 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 pour into a highball with ice in it, decorate it with the orange twist, and then you drink it and it's absolutely bloody marvelous. Not as sweet as it sounds. The lemon and the grapefruit give it that much needed bitterness. Now remember, folks, cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. 
if you use top quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. Especially this one, because all those shots of rum add up, and I'm feeling really very happy right now. I'm Arnie Avedisian. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini Show with Ani Abedisian, the suburban shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you.